Hello and welcome to the Golf Shake Podcast. My name is Kieran Clark, coming to you now in the beginning of March. Spring is allegedly here after a well, quite a dramatic late burst of winter as uh, the beast from the east, as it was coined, hit the UK and plunged us into a, a wintry depth of despair. Golf courses were covered in snow. We were kind of consigned to our houses for two or three days last week. It was quite grim stuff, but of course now we've had the great thaw. The snow has melted mostly, it's gone away, been washed away. Golf courses are rather sodden, but they're now back open in many places and we can now build towards the new golf season uh, again. And of course, at Golf Shit, we are all geared up for that new golf season and one guy who I'm sure is you chomping at the bit, which is a very football manager expression, to get back out in the golf course is my colleague and fellow co-host here, Owen Davis. Owen, how are you and how keen are you to get back out in the golf course after being trapped in your house for the past week? I'm very, very good, Kieran. I think I've got to pull you up there. Surely chomping at the bit is a horse racing term. Not a well, that's, that's true, yeah, that's true. <laughs> And I did pull you up, so puns are just flying all over the place straight away. Hey, very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to some golf, uh, looking out the office window at the moment. Bright sunshine down here in Cambridgeshire. Um, we had not as much snow as you did in Scotland, I don't think, but uh, we, had a, we had a decent chunk. And um, yeah, it's so nice to see some green again and the golf course is open and it should be spring. In fact, I think uh, yesterday the Sunningdale foursome started, which... Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a big, big uh, tournament in Sunningdale, southwest London. Beautiful, two beautiful golf courses. Um, and men and women, uh, pros and amateurs alike, play um, foursomes against each other off different tees. And I've certainly remembered playing that in the past in short sleeve shirts. Um, absolutely no problem at all. Beautiful weather. And it's, we seem a long way removed from that sort of weather right now. So it just shows how March can fluctuate. You know, you can have snow. Snow one week and it can be 20 degrees the next here in the UK. So um, fingers crossed for the 20 degrees coming up uh, any time now. Yeah, that's true. And I must quickly say that that was a very elaborate sort of ruse to mention the fact that you've played in the Sunningdale foursomes. That was very subtly dropped in there. Can you not get in here now? Is that, my is invite that was obviously point? lost in the post, I'm afraid. Um, so there we are, story of my life. But um, <laughs> we can all dream. But yes, Sunningdale foursomes, so very nice. So there you go, everybody. Owen is part of the elite in so many respects, he's part of the establishment. I am the renegade on the fringes of society, you know, the outcast. That's me. So I'm kind of the. I have no shame in rubbing it in every now and then, Kieran. Absolutely no problem at all. So you just, I just keep on going. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. But yes, you're right. The the snow was certainly quite deep up here, and uh, I must say, I've never been so glad to see the sight of concrete again. Pavements. Oh, I miss seeing you. you know, wonderful, that horrible grey pavements. But it was nice to see them again after days of that horrible white snow, just you know, plunging us into kind of a a middle. And it was amazing how you live in a grey town. Why are you worried about grey pavements? You get grey grey buildings everywhere, don't you? Well, that's the thing. St Andrews, uh, the old the old grey toon, and I must say, which doesn't, doesn't always quite live up to that moniker. But uh, yesterday here, it was horrendous. It was a chucking down a rain all day, misty, foggy, miserable, grim. All the students were walking around thinking, "Why are we even here? Why did we come here? Come to St Andrews," they said. It's going to be wonderful, they said, and it's so miserable. It was like Gotham City. It was horrible. It was so grim. So yes, it was the old grey toon well, yesterday. We still go there, Kieran, because Prince William went there and. Um, 
And what they don't realise is Prince William went there to get away from everyone else in the world. So Yeah, and then they've all followed him there, but that's right. But yeah, so that's a bit unfair. St Andrews is a very, very good university, isn't it? So, so they say. I don't know what, what, what stands as a good university and a bad university, but so they say. They all seem a reasonable enough bunch. You get the, you get the mix of uh, you know the ones who are clearly fairly studious and quite intelligent, then you get the ones who I just know that I would hate passionately as people. And um, so it's an interesting mix. Of students here in St Andrews, but you are right about the Prince William connection that really enlivened the town. And of course, there's that wonderful cafe in the north part of the town centre, which claims to be the place where Kate met William for coffee. Yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> that's on their window, <laughs> and people flood to it. <laughs> I, I honestly don't think that's true, but uh, it's a good bit of marketing, I guess. So, yes, yeah, I suppose so. And you know what? I have never Kate, been Kate met William for coffee there once, well, yeah, probably once, that was it, never again. But uh, yeah, I have never been in there, and I am protesting against it, and never will step foot inside a place that so warmly embraces its royal connections. Oh, well, but anyway. We'll be off on a little tangent there, everybody. Hope you're still with us yeah. as we go on to, obviously, talking about the, the golf going off in the world right now. And, of course, I mentioned at the start there, we're now in March. Courses are now opened up again. Hopefully, you're getting back out on the golf course again in the next next week or so, in the weekend, perhaps. Your first rounds of the year. Maybe your first competitive rounds of the year. And, obviously, get your, your scores and, and rounds recorded and tracked on the Golf Sheet Score Tracker. But if you're going to be doing that, this month and perhaps for a little bit extra motivation on golf shake throughout march we have the made to score challenge uh, with under armor as i said there you know we've finally escaped from the oppressive clutches of winter and spring is here and of course that means longer days and as owen said potentially warmer temperatures but more importantly it signals the beginning of the new golf season and of course, to celebrate that fact, you can take part in this Made to Score Challenge. We have teamed up with Under Armour and the Spief 2 Shoe, and we are challenging you to improve your game this March with the appetising possibility of securing a place at an Under Armour Made to Score Performance Day, which is to be held at one of the UK's most highly regarded golf courses. This is a great way to potentially kick off your golf season in style with a motivational incentive to get back out onto the golf course and to post your scores. So, Owen, you can tell us a little bit more about the Made to Score Challenge and how golfers can get involved and enter it. Yeah, um, so this is, uh, I mean, these challenges are always fun, but they're always designed to uh, challenge you to become uh, a better player. And we obviously run uh, a few of these throughout the season. We've, we've run them in the past with Under Armour that was, that was better every shot. So you kind of get get the idea. So what we want to do with Under Armour is challenge you to really get ready for the season, perform uh, to your best. And obviously with the tagline made to score is try and get yourself into a state where you are scoring better. Uh, now the goal season is just upon us. Um, so one way to do that is obviously to track your stats on, on goal shake, um, whether that's uh, via the desktop version or via the Android or uh, iOS app. I, I'd encourage everyone to track their stats. I think, you know, the fact that all the pros do it. I think if you speak to your local PJ pro and you go for have a lesson, and you talk about stat tracking, they would find your stats very useful in order to uh, analyse the game and, um, and find out what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right. It may seem obvious, but uh, I can tell you now from experience of tracking my own stats, it really, really isn't obvious. Um, you know, it's quite. you think you're playing a whole well or you think you're doing something particularly well and actually it turns out you're not and that's affecting other parts of your game. So... Um, definitely worth doing and if you can analyse your own stats you will become a better golfer and we've got numerous um, guys and um, 
case studies on site of golfers that have done this and have done it for years and lowered the handicap as a result. So um, it's all about that. It's all about stat tracking. It's all about being uh, getting yourself in a state ready for the season so you can hit the ground running, so you can uh, score a lot better. Uh, and like I say, we're really pleased to have Under Armour as a partner uh, and the Speed 2 shoe. Uh, I think Under Armour are very keen to um, make everyone aware and, and really get across to people that um, while they are a massive uh, brand in, in the world of sports, um, they are very much a performance-driven brand, which I think um, – you know some of the some of the other big sports brands may be more fashion led i do feel that under armor have come from a performance background came from the nfl was all about the uh under armor wear that the underlayers they had and creating something that was performance driven and i think that's a mantra they use throughout their com- uh, company and the speed 2 shoe is no difference to that um i've tested it it is a high performance golf shoe um it is designed to be very stable um, and has been designed with Jordan Spieth. And um, I think what's really interesting, he has a lot of foot movement in his swing um, and they've designed that shoe around uh, making sure he gets as much traction uh, as possible within the shoe. So I think it's a really interesting shoe. I think it's a really interesting brand. And uh, I think we're pretty pretty happy to be partnering with them at the start of the season. So looking forward to a great March. Um, track your scores. You'll be entered into a draw to win a day on that performance day um with under armor and um also we've got some weekly prizes for any social entries as well so if you if you've got any pictures of you working at your game grinding out chipping putting on the chipping green on the course hitting balls down the range post them using the made to score hashtag on twitter facebook or instagram and you'll be in that draw as well so lots going off here uh, there certainly is and uh, i would quickly reiterate what owen said there about how to enter and get involved in the made to score challenge uh, this march as owen said there to get an entry into the competition to win a potential place one of three places at the under armor made to score performance day you track around on the golf shake score tracker you can do it via the website or the golf shake ios or android apps that'll get your entry into the main draw for that and as owen hinted there as well there's a social media side of things too we have weekly prizes from under armor as well to give away and you can take part in that by posting a picture of yourself from the golf course or the range or working on your game whatever ask somebody in the golf course to take a selfie of you perhaps do it yourself or which actually is a selfie isn't it so i'm talking rubbish there but yeah Take a picture of yourself, put it onto Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. But crucially, please use the hashtag made to score to have a chance of securing one of those weekly prizes. Normally, Owen, I would be very much against uh, range selfies, but I'll be, we'll we'll have them, we'll endorse them this time. A little bit like gym selfies. Chance of you ever taking a range selfie because I don't think you ever go on the range, do you? Uh, well, <laughs> well, that's true. Well, that's true. I, I never go on the range, and I very rarely take selfies. Uh, two things that never <laughs> happen. <laughs> I've been on a range for about two years, which which certainly shows. But yeah, so I, I always think that range selfies are a little bit like gym selfies. They're taken by people who'd rather are more interested in showing you that they're there than actually being there. However, that's my own kind of personal view on that. Um, I'm, I'm very anti-gym cynic, selfies. You're such a cynic. I, well, you know, I try not to be cynical because it's a very lazy kind Maybe of they're trying attitude to, to have. Hmm? Maybe they're trying to inspire others to get down the range. No, they're not. They're just trying to inspire <laughs> themselves and, and show everybody else okay. how wonderful they are and how great a person they are and how dedicated they are. You know, I, I want to sit... In my house, watching the golf on TV, consuming as many chocolate muffins as I want to, without having to see somebody's sweaty face from the gym on my Twitter. But that's what you get, you know. And I think it, it, range selfies are all the same vein. However, 
for this month, they're okay. Get them on Golf Share, get them shared on social media, and you can potentially win made-to-score prizes. So there we go. Something worth getting involved in. And Owen mentioned there also the Spieth 2 shoe. You can see Owen's full review on Golf Shake or on a YouTube channel. And also an interview he did there with Under Armour's Mike Forsey, talking a little bit about the process behind Spieth 2 and actually how much involved Jordan Spieth was in the development process and testing process of that shoe as well. Some interesting stuff there. So, yes, worth getting involved in. Get back out in the golf course, everybody. Get recording those scores and stats and improve your game and get set for the big summer ahead. Hopefully, after a pretty horrible winter, we're going to get some luck with the weather over the next few months. We're going to have a, a great golf season to come. So, yes, made to score. Get involved with Under Armour. It's certainly worth uh, being part of. But, oh, and obviously, we think of the kind of beginning of the golf season – we do think kind of quintessentially uh, of the Masters. It's the first men's major of the year. It's always been very much an, an iconic part of the, you know, for really for all of us as, as golfers, kind of growing up watching it on television late at night. And as a, and obviously after that point, the, the clocks change. Uh, Twilight golf, it kind of inspires everybody to get back out into the golf course and, and get back playing. Of course, it also has the effect of... Um, giving golfers some rather unrealistic views of uh, course conditioning, which I'm sure some uh, greenkeepers through the years have not quite appreciated. Why is my golf course not Augusta? Why is the, the greens not running at 15 on the stick meter? Well, because you'd all shoot 150 if that was the case, but that's besides the point. But um, yeah, so people love the Masters. It, it is iconic. It's uh, obviously so you know, played at the same venue every single year. We have a real familiarity with the golf course. It has so many great memories and such a, a rich history for all golfers across the world who have watched it throughout the years. We've seen so many great champions crowned there. It's really defined so many careers. And it is the title. I think you know all the majors you want to win, but I think the Masters, along with the Open Championship, are the two that really do stand out for everybody as being the two kind of classic majors of every season. Uh, so, oh, and obviously coming towards the Masters this year, you'll always try to look out for, look out for contenders, potential winners. We're only four weeks away. This week we have the Valspar Championship from Innisbrook Resort in um, in Florida. We have the likes of Jordan Spieth playing there, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods continues his comeback there as well after an encouraging performance at the Honda Classic. So all these players that want to really gearing their early season around Augusta, trying to prepare for that event, play enough competitive golf, probably go to Augusta itself and play practice rounds there. Obviously, all the players have the benefit of knowing the golf course very well, considering it's obviously the same venue every single year. So it's quite unique in that respect. It's always been kind of a horses for courses sort of a venue to go back to that horse racing analogy from earlier. And um, I guess probably in that respect, the easiest major to predict. But let's look at some of the players who are potential contenders at Augusta this year, guys who have been very highly rated on the betting slips and so on, and the, who've played well so far or have a great record at Augusta in the past. I think we have to kind of start with uh, Dustin Johnson, who, of course, last year was a big hot favourite going into Augusta, but of course fell down the stairs and injured himself just before the tournament began, had to withdraw. Of course, so he's a world number one still. He's held onto that place. Obviously, he has such an amazing amount of power off the tee. He's improved his wedge game dramatically over the last couple of years. That's really nice putting as well. So he's now a much better all-round player. And his results at Augusta have improved progressively over the years as well. 
So when you look at someone like Dustin Johnson, he's, he's right now a joint favourite with Jordan Spieth, really, in most of the standings. Jordan Spieth, who perhaps isn't quite at his top form right now, but his record at Augusta is stunning. Obviously, he won there. He finished second. And, of course, he had that dramatic blow-up uh, the year that Danny Willett won, too. So, Owen, looking at some of the, the top names, who are the guys that you would think right now I've got to be certainties to be in anyone's top five going into the Masters. Yeah, I think, yeah, obviously it points to the world rankings quite heavily right now. Um, obviously, you mentioned Dustin Johnson. Um, I think the thing is with him, when he's when he's good, he's, you know, when he's on, he's almost unbeatable, isn't he? It's very, very difficult to see people beating him. But his major record is a bit iffy. I think it's fair to say it's very good in a lot of ways. But it, when he gets in the lead, he, he's given it away quite a lot of times. Uh, I think winning winning around Augusta can be tough on that back nine sometimes. Um, you've got John Rahm, who will be world number one pretty soon. I think if he keeps going the way he's going, uh, I think he's had a couple mm-hmm. of chances to overtake Dustin Johnson, hasn't he? Which is just remarkable. Yeah. He's had like 45 starts or something in his professional career. Uh, it's just mind-boggling. And actually, if you compare John Rahm to uh, McElroy and um, Spieth, and you have a look at his stats over the first 45 starts, he's miles ahead of both of those guys, um, mm-hmm. which is a bit scary for the future. So it won't be long before he gets his first major in, under the belt and under his belt, and that could be this could be the one. Um, Justin Thomas, another one, um, just another future world number one, it would seem. Uh, seems to turn it on, obviously turned it on uh, last week, um, as we're speaking now in Mexico, WGC. Uh, and he's not scared of winning, and he's not scared of the big events. And he's, I think, he feels that he, quite rightly, is is maybe the best player in the world, certainly in the top three or so at the moment. Um, so that would be another pick of mine. And then Jordan Spieth would be my favourite uh, for certain. Um, loves the golf course. Uh, another another guy who is a man for a big moment. If his game is good, he will be right up there. He'll be in the top five if he plays well. He'll be in the top five. There's just uh, he's too good a putter. He's too good in mentally compared to a lot of these guys. And I think you can go back to that kind of Jack Nicholas. I can't I can't remember exactly, but when he felt that the majors were the easiest to win because most of the players were already beaten <laughs> mentally, I think Jordan right. Spieth probably thinks the same sort of thing. To be honest, um, mm-hmm. so that's four. Uh, and who am I missing? Um, you know, there's there's obviously then a, a ton of others. Um, there would be my four kind of four big favourites, I think. Um, but I think there's, there's mm-hmm. another kind of 10, 15, 20 guys, including, uh, you know, Garcia, McElroy, Woods, Bubba Watson, obviously back to form now, loves the golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few guys out there that could that could feature right up there. Um, and then there's some guys that never seem to play well around there. So uh, the horses, <laughs> of course, is like you said. But they've been a big four. And then I think there's one from quite a few others. It'd be very interesting to see what Woods does over the next couple of weeks. If he can get a top five um you know which is asking a lot um but obviously off his performance recently i think that would be a uh he, he might he might be up there so we, we will see yeah we'll come to tiger in a, in a minute or two but you mentioned uh jordan spieth and justin thomas who are all kind of the the two american sort of golden figures right now off the two guys who know each other very well something that's kind of made a lot of in, in the media but i had a a discussion at the end of last year about the two of them and obviously you know they're both exceptional golfers in many respects justin thomas is perhaps the better all-round player in terms of his technique and his ball striking ability and driving and so on and obviously power off the tee but i had the feeling that some i, I had the opinion and the view that 
in the prediction that Justin Thomas would win more tour events over his career than Spieth, but Spieth would win more majors yeah. because of, like you say, the mentality, the attitude, the ability under pressure, the golf intelligence, where he might not be there week on week as such. Thomas might pick up you know, four or five wins uh, every every couple of years, but somehow I think Spieth, with his obviously three wins already in majors, you know, that's a big head start, and he's a guy, you, you, you know, you have to see Spieth winning the Masters at least once more, maybe even twice more. Yeah. You know, it, it would seem impossible not to be the case. Uh, so he could easily end up with you know, six majors in a career, maybe even seven if he's lucky. Obviously, it's a big ask because the amount of players who have done that is very remote. But it just shows having three at his still young age. He's only twenty-four, which seems remarkable when you think about it. Yeah, given he's been around for years now. You know, he, he's someone who I think in these big events is always a guy to look out for. Uh, a little bit like you know, maybe even like a. And Nick Faldo sort of figure where Nick Faldo perhaps didn't win as many tour events as Bernard Langer or someone like that. But when it came to the majors, he had the plan and he was able to execute it. And that's why he won six, where Langer yeah. only won two. So, yeah, I think they're kind of different strengths there as well, but two obviously exceptional players who we could see potentially in a final pairing on Sunday. And that would be obviously greatly thrilling and it'd be a great thing for the game to have two young stars like that going head to head on probably the most famous stage in golf but you mentioned Tiger there and obviously it's hard to kind of avoid the Tiger discussion I know people are a little bit kind of well you talk about Tiger too much but Tiger's a big story I'm afraid for a very good reason he's a guy that draws eyes to the game he's a, he transcends golf and he has been showing signs of life he was tied for 11th I think it was at the Honda Classic you know there's a lot of good golf there on a very tricky venue a lot of water on that golf course he kind of went around it quite well. He's playing two consecutive weeks coming up in Florida, which shows that his health is, is good, is strong. You know, Tiger obviously has a you know a great history of Augusta National. Though he hasn't played there for three years given his injury problems in the past couple of years. Uh, but Tiger, you know, you look at him and you think, you know, he must be a good outside bet because it's like with the experience he has of that golf course and just the if he gets on a roll he, he could see easily get into contention there we even saw it a yeah. few years ago in his last appearance at Augusta where he was playing terribly but he still managed to sort of grind his way to be in the top 10 after three rounds he fell away a little bit on the Sunday but it still showed he had that kind of fight and ability to kind of grind out a score on that golf course but oh and kind of an interesting sort of point with Tiger as we know his great success at Augusta in his early career, winning there four times in eight years. But since then, he hadn't won at all. That's that's, that's, well, that's 13 years ago since he last won at Augusta. Yeah. And that golf course has been changed throughout the years, it's been lengthened, more trees have been put in. They called it tiger-proofing. And I yeah. wonder, you know, I know Tiger's had so many other issues in his career, and he has come close a couple of times to winning at Augusta since 2005. But is there something to the fact that perhaps the golf course nowadays – is harder for him than what it was before. It is. Did they actually successfully tiger-proof Augusta? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, they did definitely. Yeah, uh, he was so dominant uh, early. Um, I think they tiger-proofed it a bit. They certainly. I think there's two things really. They they tried to tiger-proof it, um, make it a bit tighter. They obviously lengthened it, which for me wasn't really tiger-proofing, and that just plays into his hands mm. and. We obviously had the debate about the golf ball being rolled back a couple of weeks ago, and, mm-hmm. and that's that's now rolling on in a big way right now. Um, you know, so as soon as you kind of make the game longer, it actually just plays into the longer players, longer hitters quite often. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure it was that. I think it was tightening the golf course coincided with him hitting uh, one, it not a straight off the tee. 
and two starting to hit a fade quite often. Mm. When he was winning around Augusta in the early days, he was hitting a draw. And we've talked about this before in that uh, that right to left shot, whether you've got all the left-handers being able to hit cuts and controlling a fade around that golf course, um, which is a big advantage, being able to control a fade as opposed to trying to control a draw, which often turns into a hook mm. or a block. Um, that's why the left-handers have got such a big advantage. But he... Um, you know, he was hitting a draw in those early days, and that, that certainly played. He was hitting these massive draws around the corners and the par fives, and uh, it all played into his hands. And he was hitting wedges into into the greens. Um, you know, a lot of control, and he, was, and he was a great putter. And I think so. It coincided. His demise around there coincided a little bit. Having said that, I think he, when he hit the pin a few years ago, he may well have won that tournament. Yeah. I know it's uh, it's all pie in the sky, but it's kind of. He was he was threatening in a big. I think he was about tied fourth and mm-hmm. going forward at that point. Um, so you know, I think he can win. I think the big big concern about him winning at the Masters this year is is fragility with the driver, and he's going to need to hit the ball long. He is hitting it massively long. I think his swing speed was up at 128 miles an hour, which was ridiculous. That's that's the longest on tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a guy in his 40s swinging it harder and hitting the ball longer than anyone else on tour, which is mind-boggling, mm-hmm. um, you know, after having back surgery. Yeah. Um, but if he straightens that driver out, his short game looks immense. It looks absolutely as good as it's ever been. He looks like he's putting well. You know, if he can if he can hit the driver straight enough, um, enough times, maybe he needs to get that three-wood out. Maybe he needs to get that old Cobra three-wood out he hit miles in the past and just hit that and... Um, and he could be, yeah, there's no reason with the short game. If your short game's good enough, and obviously Augusta is such an examination of the short game, there's no reason he can't be up there and winning this. Um, but, it, you know, a lot of it relies on these next two, next two tournaments he's got coming up. But um, outside bet, what else do you, I think we were talking beforehand, 20 to 1? Apparently so, yes. Yeah. Yeah, whacking each way bet on him now. I think a lot of the bookmakers here in the UK offer seven, eight places. Yeah. Good each way bet that I would think really really yeah, good. Yeah, if Tiger so. plays relatively well over the next two weeks, those odds will certainly shorten. If he finishes top twenty again or even top ten, then it'll be, yeah, be down to ten. To down one. To and if he wins, down to five to one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> so he'll, be, he'll be up there with the favourite. Yeah, so. yeah I, I think that's a good bet. Yes, I think so too. And also, you might. I'm glad you validated my sort of view on Tiger and the golf course because actually I did a bit of research a few years ago about this. Where since Tiger, as you say move to more of a fade off the tee there's two holes at Augusta where he's played consistently worse than the field and that's two of the par fives number two and number 13 that both require a draw off the tee and that's cost him about two or three shots a a week uh, every year at Augusta and you look at his records throughout the years at times he's been two or three shots off the winner I think 2008, 2009, yeah. I think 2013 as well, I think it was. So he's actually, he's actually been close, but perhaps that different shot shape has actually cost him from potentially winning Augusta. So it just shows you the kind of small margins there. But over a week, those perhaps one shot a day, it adds up. And um, and that's perhaps held him back yeah. from winning there. So I think Tiger perhaps has been, the course has been Tiger-proofed, but perhaps Tiger has almost proofed himself from winning at Augusta because of his uh, change in his game. So yeah, interesting discussion there. But you mentioned obviously a great short game and as nobody kind of, uh, ex- kind of expresses that best than Phil Mickelson who seems to endure longer than anyone else of his generation on the tour. But again, hasn't hadn't won for several years, almost five years, despite obviously coming close several times. Most notably, I think, at the 2016 Open at Royal Troon where he'd have won virtually every other Open year with the, the way he played. Just he played um, an 
an absolute machine that week in Henry Stenson, probably one of the, the best majors of all time. Certainly a duel that we hadn't seen, I think, since uh, Nicholas and Watson at Turnberry in 77. But Phil came back and played great at Mexico. He beat Justin Thomas in the playoff there to win the WGC, his first title in five years. You know, Phil's coming up 48. He's targeting another seven wins in the PGA Tour. They go up to 50. Uh, you know, Phil is a guy who he's had his obviously physical issues with his arthritis and so on, but he's still he's still there and he's still very capable. Uh, he's, been, he's been playing very well of late, very consistent finishes. He's been talking up his game for some time, but now he's finally backed up with a win. And Owen mentioned there the kind of the guys who always play well at Augusta. You know, Phil's won there three times. The course sort of plays into his creative and imaginative streak. Obviously, a great short game when he's on a very clinical putter. And obviously, we touched on the left-hander theory as well. And Phil, of course, plays into that left-hander success over the past 15 years or so uh, at, at the Masters. So, Owen, you know, you know, Phil Mickelson is a bit shorter odds than Tiger. But surely when you come into the Masters, he's always a bet, and particularly right now with the form he's in. Why do you think Phil Mickelson, where so many guys of his era have kind of drifted away in recent years, why has Phil been able to endure for so long? <laughs> uh, good question. Uh, I don't know. The, I think he's just a great player, just one of the greatest yeah. of the game. Uh, I think he's not been outside the top 50 in the world for 23 years or something. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is just... I can't even fathom that. It's just is ridiculous that uh, to not have a dip of form that takes you out of that that top fifty. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure because he's had troubles with each department of his game. Um, you know, his driving's been awry sometimes. He's definitely struggles with his putting at times. Mm-hmm. Like you say, when he gets on, he's he's super good. Um, one consistency, I suppose, that he's always had is is chipping and pitching. And I think so much of the pro game is determined from 120 yards in um, that, that, that that's allowed him probably to make up for any deficiencies in his game. You know, uh, when he has been driving, he's been knocking it back into play, pitching up, getting up and down. Um, you know, and I think that's probably, that's probably the thing that's, that's held him in that top 50 longer than anyone else. And you don't do it without having some sort of desire. He's got, you know, He's obviously not not uh, not short of a few bob. Um, <laughs> I like spending it. I understand that's for certain. Oh yeah. Um, but you know he, you've got to have some sort of desire to keep traveling the world, keep doing what he's doing. He's obviously had troubles at home with his wife suffering from breast cancer, and mm. you know, it, it, so he he must have some sort of you know deep desire inside him to keep going and keep competing. So. Yeah, two things: supreme competitor and and great uh, great short game. They're the two things that probably probably have kept him kept him in that top fifty. And he, yeah, there's no really wouldn't, wouldn't surprise you at all if he wins the Masters, would it? Now he's now he's picked up that other win. No, absolutely. And of course, he'll be looking forward to trying to win the U.S. Open and complete the career Grand Slam, uh, Shinnecock uh, in June, one of those venues that spurned him uh, back in two thousand and four. But yeah, Phil endures, and like you say, I see. I've always sort of thought of all the golfers on the tour. Uh, just for one sort of day, I'd love to be Phil Mickelson because it looks so much fun to be Phil Mickelson. And the thing is, I think he knows how fun it is to be Phil Mickelson too. And I think that's sort of the, the, kind of the appeal of Phil as well, where he is 
kind of a larger than life character and you know, and another person he would seem incredibly smarmy and, and over the top and yeah. false and just uh, you know, but he's but there's something about him that's so i find so appealing i love watching him play because you don't know what's going to happen there's you know brilliance in there and obviously there's the chance of disaster as well and i think that actually reflects uh, the golf course at augusta where every hole at augusta invites you to potentially do something great but there's always that kind of potential for disaster as well and that's why it's such a thrilling golf course to watch where every hole can be birdied but can also be disasters right there too and i think phil kind of fits in that persona as well so i love watching him play and i'm glad to see him back playing well again and winning again i think it's great for the game i think it's fun we have so many great young players in the game right now and it's fantastic to have that i think it's fun to watch one of the older guys sort of roll back the years and, and, and really compete alongside them. I think it elevates them too, where you're playing with a legend of the game. I think in some respects, we perhaps we almost underrate Mickelson in terms of his kind of historical place in the game, where obviously Tiger has been the dominant force of his generation, but you know, Phil still won five majors and 43 PGA Tour events and been a perennial top 50 player, as you say, and Ryder Cup every year for the past 26 years or something, So um, and probably will be again this year so yeah Phil endures and uh, you can see him still competing for several years to come and uh, you know we go back in the past where you see guys like Fred Couples who have played well at Augusta well into their 50s I think Phil will certainly fit that bracket as well we will see him probably be around the mix going into weekends for the next potentially you know seven eight years maybe even longer than that if he stays fit and, and, and competitive and and wants to do it I'd let you say but one guy who is the final player we're going to focus on yeah, a guy who is desperate to win the Masters because it would complete the career Grand Slam. It's the last major he needs to win, so it's his biggest event every year until he wins it. And that's Rory McIlroy, who obviously had a very disappointing 2017, didn't win on tour, cut his season out early by finishing at the Dunhill Links. He came back refreshed and ready this season, got off to a very good start in the Middle East, played very well in those two weeks there good high finishes, was unlucky enough to win one of them. But then he went off to America and he's done nothing in his events in the US PGA Tour this year. He's missed a cut at Pebble Beach. He's finished way down the field every other week. There's not much there to suggest that Rory's going to click in time for the Masters. Uh, he's, having, he's making so many mistakes of his game. He's missing a lot of putts, but also you know, his, his whole game isn't quite there. So, you know, Owen, we know how good Rory can be. We haven't seen it enough, really, for the past couple of years. Do you think we're yeah. going to see it before the Masters this year? No. You're, you're no. writing him off then? Yeah. <laughs> no chance? Yeah, he's got no, no chance. Well, I don't think you can say no chance because he's he's obviously a great player and if it does click, but a guy struggling with his putting around Augusta is not a good combination. Mm. I'd give Bubba, Tiger and Mickelson a better chance than Rory right now. Okay, so, so let's just note that one down. That uh, Owen Davis here on the come back to 7th of March 2018 predicted that Rory McIlroy had no chance. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say that no chance. And it, with mark it down, big line underneath it, capital letters, no oh. chance to win the I don't, Yeah. So we'll remember that. So who knows? Perhaps uh, Rory might call you out one of these days. He likes to do that, doesn't he, with guys in the media? And I'm I'm sure your profile's big enough nowadays, Owen, that you can probably get a shout out from Rory, a, you know, proving you wrong sort of thing. So there you go. Uh, yeah, I don't mind getting into a, about how badly he's playing. Get into a Twitter um, spat with Rory. That'd be quite good. Yeah, I don't think he's got the time of day to uh, to be getting a Twitter spat with me. To be honest, he's got better things to be doing. He does. The... Um, 
But yeah, I just, on a serious note, I just can't see with him not putting well. Mm-hmm. I just can't see. I don't see how any guy has ever won a major not putting well. Mm-hmm. I mean, when 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 does that? Maybe I, I just don't know when that happens. So um, until he sorts his putting out and he starts holding putts, I just he's just he's got no. He can't win a PGA Tour event or a European Tour event, let alone a, a major when he's not putting well. So um, if his putting turns around the next two or three weeks, maybe. But other than that. Like I say, um, you know, Bubba's back, Mickelson is one, and Tiger's short game looks awesome. So there's one thing certain. If you get your long game on and your short game's awesome, you're going to be right up there. And and he's just shown no signs of that short game being anywhere near good enough right mm. now. So as much as I'd like to see him win and complete that Grand Slam, not, not this year for me, unless something miraculous happens in the next two weeks. Well, of course, so. if, if you are listening to this podcast, perhaps at the weekend or um, next Monday morning, <laughs> and Rory's won the Valspar Championship by 10 shots, then just to discount, discount <laughs> everything that Owen has said. Just forget about it, ignore him. That's what I usually do. It doesn't matter what he said. It means nothing. <laughs> I'm leaving the door open to Rory because I believe. I like to believe. I'm, opti- I'm an optimist at heart. But Owen, if I gave you a £5 bet right now, and we don't endorse betting on the Golf Street podcast, but £5 bet... Tiger to finish above Rory, would you take it at the Masters? Yes, surely. Yeah, well, yes. yes. I know who's tre- I know who's trending in the right direction. Ah, there we go. So <laughs> that's the Masters in four weeks' time, everybody. Obviously, a great highlight of the calendar. Looking forward to it. We'll have our special Masters preview nearer the time. But we've really waffled on there about the Masters. But just quickly, kind of closing off. Um, oh, and obviously, you've put a lot of stuff onto the website in recent weeks in terms of new gear and equipment for the year. A lot of a lot of new releases yeah. out there on the marketplace. You've reviewed them and tested them. So tell everybody what they can see on the website and the YouTube channel. Okay, I'll keep this short and sweet. Um, there's lots of new gear coming on. I think we've got some some great lists in terms of top five drivers, fairways. If you go onto the site, go to the gear section, you can find those. Um, I think there's one club I, I probably want to point out um, that is interesting. And I think the video, uh, if you're going to watch one video that we've done, um, it's probably worth watching. And that's the Cobra One Length Hybrid. A uh, very unique club. We haven't seen one length clubs. Obviously, Cobra did it last year and again this year, but we haven't seen one length hybrids, certainly uh, matching into the seven iron length for 100 years plus since steel shafts came in or club makers were building them. Not quite 100 years, but you get the <laughs> gist. Um, um, but uh, it's a really interesting golf club. I thought it was really versatile, um, amazing to play with. Uh, it's got a lot of benefits. It was very strange in the hand at first, but if you get to go down to your local pro, pro have a look at the Cobra Stockist, go and hit one. It's an interesting experience and actually a pretty pleasant one as well uh, and gives you quite a lot of versatility. If you're someone that struggles with your chipping um, and you quite like that hybrid shot or that little bump and run um, and you struggle with the length of a hybrid, this one's seven iron length. So, much easier to do so a, a really versatile club that has lots of uses um great into the par threes so uh, watch that video it's on youtube um it'll be on the site uh, very shortly as well but uh, have a look on the youtube channel and you'll find that try my find my review of that and um Hope you find it interesting and go out and try one. Yes, indeed. And you can see all of Owen's reviews and, and features on the website. And as I said, they're on the Golf Shake YouTube channel, which is getting increasingly busy and lots of content on there worth checking out and subscribing, of course. Uh, of course, thank you for listening to this week's Golf Shake podcast. Owen was my very you know, willing betting predictor here and he gave us his thoughts and everybody. He buried Roy McElroy's chances. He talked up Tiger because he lives in the past, clearly. So, you know, Owen's there. You, you can take or leave his views. Uh, I'll leave it up to you. 
But we thank him as always for his wonderful insight and candor. Owen, thank you again as always. Yes, My pleasure. pleasure to have you back on, of course. Well, no, I was just thinking about living in the past when Tiger finished 11th last week. That's all. Yeah, don't worry. Well, well, well <laughs> as I said, Rory has no chance. So we shall see. We shall see. But yes, of course, finally, do check out the, the Made to Score Challenge and Golf Shake. If you track around in the Golf Shake Score Tracker throughout March on the website or via the apps, you'll be entered into the, the draw to potentially win a place at an Under Armour Made to Score Performance Day at one of the UK's best golf courses. And of course, if you're on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, do post a picture of yourself from the golf course, the golf range, or anywhere else playing golf, working on your game, using the hashtag made to score and you have a chance of securing some weekly Under Armour prizes so lots to enjoy the golf season's back the sun is shining get back out into the golf course and get playing again play more and play better and until next time thank you for listening